Today on Red Dead Radio, you, you get, get spoiled. spoiled. Hi friends, welcome to Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. I'm your host, Jared Petty, and as always, we're going straight to the wild, wild guests. We're going straight to the wild, wild guests. We're going straight to the wild, wild guests. Yeah! Ah, that's us. Indeed, it's been a while since we've had two guests simultaneously. Ooh. Yeah. Wow, to my left, your right, the fabulous, for the first time, appearing on this program, Mr... Barrett Courtney. That's right, Mr. Barrett Courtney. It's like you forgot your name for a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was prepared in my head to say beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I was and then you messed the joke up. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that, that's about par for the course of what you can expect uh, on today's Red Dead Redemption spoiler cast here on Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. Barrett Courtney here from Ye Old Imagine Games Network, producer of yes. Beyond, friend of the Kind of Funny Games Network, at all, etc. Yeah. And to his left, the Hello. far right. It's Tina Amini. Tina Amini returns. It's been a while. Yeah, it yeah. has. It has. You were here. You were here about I think fifteen episodes ago or so. Yeah, is that about uh, a month? Yeah, was, in I know, people in okay. people time. <laughs> we do a lot of these exactly. But welcome back, Tina. Uh, Thank the, you. Uh, oh, I always forget the name of your job now. Uh, uh, my title is editorial manager of games. I run games editorial. There we go. Yeah, and that's uh, like the the casual and the official way well, of saying welcome it. Welcome back. Thank it's you. Really cool it's great here. to be back. And we're here to spoil Red Dead Redemption for you if you didn't get that already. But before we do. A couple of pieces of housekeeping to go through. First, we want to thank our Patreon producers, Tom Bach, Stuart Ferguson, and Jonathan, whose generous support makes this show possible. If you want to support Red Dead Radio or the other things I do, like Pockets Full of Soup, Hot Blip and a Jump, at all, etc., you can do that at reddeadradio.com. And I hope that you will. If you can't support financially, guess what? Those subscriptions and, you know, following on iTunes, Android, places like that, Stitcher, that's really helpful. It, it, it allows me to eat so and i mean you can see that i'm not wasting away but nevertheless so you're looking yeah. great oh that's kind of you to say well thank you that's Second why i'm on the show so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why we, we put you on the the videos you know yeah, yeah. in the big bucks. Yeah. hi yeah. making the mm-hmm. big bucks mm-hmm. anyway there's that also <laughs> red dead radio is produced in partnership with us gamer check out all their excellent coverage of red dead redemption 2 and more at usgamer.com Net. That's usgamer.net. There's all kinds of things to find over there. Some wonderful coverage of this fantastic game. Great articles, great commentary. I'm very proud to work with them. You can follow them on all social media channels at usgamer.net. And today's episode is sponsored by Neebs Gaming, N-E-E-B-S Gaming. But we'll get to that later on because right now it's time to spoil. So in case you didn't get it from this intro, we're going to spoil the game. If you don't want to hear spoilers, come back to the show later and listen. I hope hope you listen now on account of the fact that, uh, well, you know, your listens uh, add up to, to me being able to continue to do podcasts. But if you finish Red Dead Redemption, we're going to be talking about the end. We're going to be talking about the secrets. We're going to talk about just about everything. So, And also, to be fair, uh, we should also mention Red Dead 1 because uh, we had Casey DeFrias on our spoiler cast mm-hmm. and she had not beaten Red Dead 1. So It was a I fascinating know. juxtaposition. I know it yeah. feels like a weird thing we have to say, but just to put it out yeah. there. 
Did yeah. she not watch Red Dead in five minutes, written by Jared Petty for IGN.com? <laughs> no. By, no? Shame. Her about it. Oh, yeah. yeah make sure. We'll bring in our nun bells tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shame, yeah. shame yeah. Casey a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Casey puts up with it's enough It's fine. Crap, we already spoiled it for her anyway. Way too hard. Uh, yeah. We were so. like, so you know how Dutch is? Oh, shit. <laughs> you know how John Marston died? Oh, shit. <laughs> so she didn't know She John? didn't know. Yeah. It was really cool. And you should listen to We planned to it really and, well. Yeah. To hear her perspective. It's Incredible. Yeah, so th- that was an interesting part to it because she had to, she didn't know that Dutch was going to be the villain. So uh, wow. to see that lead up and like her and how and when she detected it was really interesting. What was it like for? Like, I, I guess I should ask her this at some point. I want to yeah. have the show, obviously. Um, but yeah, well, but. to channel Casey a little bit, um, Pokemon. But also, um, <laughs> <laughs> let me just pull out Pokemon. No, so uh, she actually didn't couldn't really tell uh, that Dutch was a villain until close to the end she okay. said uh, and I think that's interesting because there are little moments where they see the idea that Dutch is a villain and you can see it start to develop you can see the kind of downward spiral happening but for Casey she was just like oh that's a you know whatever a mistake or like he's a little angry today he hasn't yeah. had his like stew you know Pearson didn't cook that much because I didn't give the camp too many funds today so I think she kind of like explained away some of those things which really ties into Dutch as a villain and why we talked a lot about this but like it it ties into the fact that he's like not your most stereotypical on the nose kind of a villain well yeah go go in with that Vera what were you saying um I would I mean I think Dutch is a very interesting villain uh, throughout. I don't know if they plant the seeds as well and again this is because we've played Red Dead 1 before and so you know where he's going to end up and so my I'm, I'm going to have a lot of frustrations on this on this show I'm just I can't wait preface this. frustrations yes frustrations. Well, because because I think he disagrees with a lot of like the things we were saying so okay. yeah and he's, this has been pent up he's and this is your moment yeah. yeah and also to preface I don't hate the game I really love the game it'll probably be personal top five uh, favorite games this year and I do really love the story I love a lot of moments in the story but there's also a lot that doesn't work for me and one of the things was that um, I don't think they really built Dutch up that well or in, and like I think Casey's perspective is kind of an interesting point where she didn't really see that um, and you know she did kind of explain in her head like a different reason of why he would do some of these things but it felt like you know we just killed 50 lawmen or whatever or just like regular people to go uh, rob a bank and then Judge goes and drowns, um, I forget his name, but... Uh, Angelo Bronte. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bronte. And then that was the moment where it was like, whoa, Dutch is crazy. He's like, no, we also just killed, like, thousands of innocent people before this moment, well, so that doesn't really fair, sell it to me. he didn't just drown Angelo Bronte. He drowned Angelo Bronte and fed him to an alligator. Yeah. That I is mean, fair. That was, like, a moment where the alligator... Don't you dare call like, me dirty. Mm-hmm. I'll feed you to an alligator. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like, I'll kill you first, so I'm yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, first. So, no, I, oh, Tina, do you agree with that assessment, or do you feel like they did a better um, job with... So, so actually... That's kind of JR's opinion, uh, which was like that he wasn't fully fleshed out enough that by the time that he turns into a villain, it's not believable. But I disagree because mm-hmm. I think he's so nuanced a villain. Like he's somebody you would know. Like I have an ex-boyfriend I could relate to Dutch, honestly. Wow. Where it's, That's yes. terrifying. Yeah. Well, it's in the, in the sense of because, you know, dragging in metaphors in the sense of like. This person is uh, somebody who's like obviously really capable, somebody who has managed to get all these people to rally behind him. Right. He's been a really dedicated to the group, to the gang kind of a character. Um, and he's mostly had these more moments where his morality seemed to skew in a direction that everyone else could follow along. 
but there are these other tiny little moments where he lets his ego get in the way and he gets angry about a specific thing and then gets like drawn in and to that angle and so everybody else is like whoa why are you making this decision it seems like it's really putting us at risk and he can't hear it because he just needs to be who other people look up to and so he's not even really a villain he's just a flawed human being there's a I mean not all but I think most real villains end up falling into that especially at the beginning and I think it's a case for me of of progressive degeneration that that's the story they wanted to tell that this is somebody much much like one of the characters says in the game uh, which is kind of thematic to the whole thing people don't change they just become more who they are now whether or not you agree with that philosophy that's the philosophy of Dutch I think this is a guy that was always existing on the outside that always had to have power over people that always had to be the center of what was happening around in big fish in a small pond that gradually progressively degenerates maybe it's the traumatic head injury Mm. that he experienced right and I do like that they play with that a little bit of like Mm -hmm. was that part of it or was it just coincidence yeah and that's something that I mean in no uh, not to take it too far down but that's personalities can change after dramatic head, or right. traumatic head injury sure. and Angie and I have gone through some of that yeah. and and uh, that part of the game really hit me because mm-hmm. things do change some after after moments like that for some people and the fact that something I, you, you never quite know what happened at Blackwater but it was yeah, obviously I bad. love that. Yeah, like yeah. something, yeah. like something happened, and like people are kind of too like, oh, it was, it was like uh, secretly it was messed up, but like, oh, it was nothing. Like, don't worry about it. I think it. they were kind of like, oh, well, tensions were high. Like, this was a very yeah. specific scenario. They were making excuses yeah. for it. Yeah, um, yeah, a hundred percent. And like something that I do really like, um, even though I have uh, slight problems with like how they try to transform Dutch, because um, I don't see like. It doesn't feel like it happened supernaturally to me, at least uh, in my interpretation of it. But something I do like is that at the end of like the or near the end uh, where um, I think it was um, why am I John's well uh, Abigail Abigail, Abigail. Yeah. Um, where they take Abigail and he is like, nah, we we don't need to save her. She's just a girl. And uh, the the fact that like he let his um, the, the Irish lady as well, uh, yeah. the, the woman um, who was Molly, kind of Molly, yeah. like kind of just like threw her to the wolves as well. Um, that is a definitely a very different person than uh, the very beginning when he's like wrapping uh, Sadie in a coat. And yeah. it's like let's like let's get this poor girl out of here. But that's the thing is like he's when things are good, Dutch is good. When yeah. Dutch can pretend he's good, Dutch will pretend he's good. When things are bad and he can no longer pretend, his and his true character comes out. And this is what Arthur really grapples with towards the end when he's thinking like, is this like is this just what happened to Dutch, or has Dutch always been this? And it's what you were saying, Jared, about like you know you become who you are towards the end, and that's exactly what it was. So when when he doesn't have this protective barrier of like look how good I'm doing because the camp is doing really well and we're in this house now when he can't hide behind that and hide behind the loyalty of his gang like all of this stuff starts to come out and, so, and you see that reflect oh I didn't interrupt you no please, please continue you see that reflected in Red Dead 1 when he's effectively living out the same scenario again years yeah. later when he should know better he has learned yeah. nothing, nothing. He yeah. has learned yeah. nothing and yeah he just doubts everyone else and, is, and blames everything on everyone else because he's just trying to protect his own ego he doesn't want to face the reality that okay maybe you know I made a couple of wrong decisions maybe I should have listened to my cohorts instead of just pretending like I'm leading them he's the embodiment of a, of a story I heard of all things a preacher tell once I love this this story I uh, forget the theological principle if you want here but I do think it reflects some real truth a guy named Fred Craddock said that he believed that most people in a moment of true existential crisis 
were willing to lay down the $1,000 bill of their lives in one moment of martyrdom or self-sacrifice and do what was so clearly right. He said, the problem with faith as he understood it, with life as he understood it, was that you are willing to do that and God takes that $1,000 bill and says, no, nah, and he hands you a giant sack of quarters, mm. drops this heavy thing in your lap and says, give one of these away every day for the rest of your life. That's how you really have to do it. Yeah. Dutch can lay down the $1,000 bill, but he can't have, hand out quarters every day, rain or shine. I think that's that's a lot of who the character is. Hopping for a second to the to the end. When I say the end, I mean the epilogue end here. Mm. When you've got the Mexican standoff, Micah, John, Dutch. Sadie. Yeah, Sadie. Yeah, bet, yeah that's right. And then Sadie's yeah, yeah. there, uh, uh, like, gushing out. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Got them there together. And you have Dutch make that choice. Now, forget what you want to say about the argument around why Dutch makes the choice or what Mike is saying. or What I want to delve into here is this. How does the choice Dutch made recontextualize what you see in Red Dead 1? Because that was one of the biggest points of the game for me is that I'm suddenly looking at all of Red Dead Redemption 1 through an entirely different lens. John's hunting Dutch in Red Dead 1, his reluctance to do so, because you don't even hear Dutch's name in Red Dead right. until fairly late in the right. game. And the way those last scenes play out, the violence of their first encounter, Dutch coming to the hotel, the killing, all of it is recontextualized for me completely by that moment. What are your thoughts on that? So I think it kind of just backs up everything that I learned about Dutch and felt about Dutch. Um, and I think it's because he does this thing where he'll give you a little bit, like he'll go and rescue Jack and all of a sudden he's a good guy again, but then he abandons Abigail and like the other women in the gang. And it's, he's just inconsistent. And the reason why he's inconsistent is because he has certain moments and that moment where he decides to shoot Micah is because he realizes like, okay, I kind of can't deny what's in front of me and I'm not exactly committed to killing Micah, but I'm going to do it because that seems to be what's expected of me and it will harm my image if I don't kill Micah. Mm -hmm. And killing John in this moment, I mean, I'm totally like, you know, extrapolating based off of just what I know about Dutch, but not killing John in that moment is more of a like, well, there's not enough here for me to respectfully kill John and then be looked at as respectfully as I always had. So I don't, I don't know if I agree with that because there's definitely uh, looking at all the scenes over again when we were talking about them earlier today. Um, when Dutch walks away and looks at John, he's got this like kind of look of disgust, like yeah. you made me do this, and it, I, I don't. That scene did, kind of fell flat for me um, because it's hard to tell where Dutch is. Um, Especially, it's. I think it's about seven years after um, Arthur dies, mm -hmm. and um, it because it's been so long since you've seen him, it's hard to tell where he's at. And then, like Micah does mention, like, "Oh, we're gonna do one last quarter together," and all this stuff. And I, I honestly, to me, in that moment, that moment felt like the writers put themselves in a corner. Mm. How do they get themselves out of here? Because we're setting up the scene to make it seem like. Micah and Dutch are in leagues together. Like, they've just... They're meeting up together for the first time in a while, and they're going to do the score and whatnot. And if Dutch hadn't shot Micah, there was going to be no way for um, for John and Sadie to get out of there alive, or maybe just Sadie. that They might have been able to play around with that. But that scene didn't really sell it to me of... Um, because I get what you're saying of... The, that ending possibly recon, uh, recontextualizing the first one because he kind of lets John go. Yeah, he um, lets John go. 
And he, I, he and, has a chance to kill John Marston, and, and it will cost him nothing. And again, it, it felt well, flat except for me. his pride. Yeah. Except his pride, but John hunts him down and kills him. <clears throat> but mean, as you said, semi reluctantly. Yeah. And I think it's because he has this Dutch has this really great ability to make you doubt. Yeah. And and make you doubt whether or not like, oh, well, you know, he had these really great father figure moments. So is he really that bad of a guy? Maybe he's just a flawed human being. Maybe that's fine. Yeah. For me, that scene was really hard to grasp what they were trying to go for because I didn't understand Dutch's motivations anymore. And I think they succeeded. I think they were purposely going for that of like, what is this dude about? It's hard to tell. He is very inconsistent. But I think they nailed that too well to a point in that last scene. I was like, I don't. I don't know what you're trying to do anymore. Like you felt like okay. they were just kind of throwing it for a loop for no reason. Yeah, that's that's how I felt. Uh, for me, it was I felt much more in, in line with the Mad King. Uh, I think I'm closer to mm. to Tina on this. That here we have because there Huzzah. was huzzah. Yeah. That, 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 no, I, de- I definitely know I'm going to be in the kind of the yeah. That's why you're in the middle hot seat. Or, 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 <laughs> by the way, maybe I'm naive. Like I, I think I'm pretty good at guessing story endings. I didn't think we'd see Dutch again. I didn't think we'd see Dutch again either. And by the way, when we saw him, I felt so betrayed. Me too. Like, even though he'd already betrayed me so many times, I still felt betrayed, which, God, that's powerful. And I didn't feel that either as well, because you were mentioning that before, is that I already had felt betrayed when he'd left Arthur, depending on what ending you get and how he leaves you. But, like, when you have the good, good ending... Um, and he just kind of walks away from me. I was like, well, that you suck. And I, I didn't really... In that moment, in that last scene, I really felt that. I was like, God damn it, Dutch. Him walking when, away? Yeah. And so I felt it more in that scene than I did in this last scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... Well, because you're playing as a different character, too. So you're supposed to be feeling different things. Yep. And I think it is, I guess, kind of jarring to step into the, the boots of John Marston. And then all of a sudden yep. have this relationship where you're thinking about, oh, right, I'm John Marston now. I'm not Arthur Morgan anymore. So you have to like kind of adapt your brain to thinking about well, that specific relationship. I've had people complain about the pacing, or I've heard people complain about the pacing in John's section of the game, feeling like you spend too long as John. Yep. One of the reasons I disagree with that assessment is precisely what you're pointing out. I think you need time Development. to get used to being John <laughs> yeah. so you can have that moment. Yeah, I, I think I, so too. I also think that half the game map effectively Castlevania castles up in front of you at that moment. Yeah. And they assume you're going to be spending a lot of time exploring before you finish the game. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us covering the game kind of raced through the John sections. And that that feeling may have more to do with the way we played it than the way it's meant to be played. Right. And I do think like the the amount of time that you spend as John Marston is um, really like fleshes out his love story in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do without spending like a good amount of time there. Uh, and I'm like, D- agree. You guys are selling it more. <laughs> but, like, uh, I have a big yeah. problem with the epilogue because I think my problem, because I get like spending enough time with John to have those moments pay off where he like proposes to Abigail and I was like ugly crying when he's he so sweet over. yeah John Marson is the sweetest I know man. and he, where he's like acting out was like why don't we go take a picture and like let's oh go my see God, like he's the so movie sweet. I know in those moments and she was like just, why are you weird I know why are you being weird this is you weird. stop being weird Abigail and where she's yeah. like making when you go take the picture and she's like making fun of him for like yeah oh, you, you're a poser now and yeah. so like those moments were like uh, I love this, but yep. uh, the frustrating thing for from my perspective, going through roughly ten hours, um, is that when you get when you get close to the end, the last ten hours feels very different, and like the theme of the last ten hours, I think is super different from what the f- first fifty hours build up. Totally, to be. yeah. Um, and I don't because. 
I don't know, because it's one in one game, kind of one story, it, it, it I that transfer or that switch to a different kind of theme and slightly different plot didn't really it didn't sell do it. For yeah, you. it didn't do it for me. But again, those like those moments of like the montage of them building the house, the yeah. uh like the the moment when Abigail and Jack come home when you've bought like when yeah. everything's built, those those were the moments and like the um the last conf- uh, confrontation with uh, with Micah, which um, I, Micah, I know, uh, and uh, the, uh, I think the other frustrating thing for the last fifteen hours in general was that I kind of predicted almost everything except for Dutch being in the last mission. Uh, okay. Like from the moment you get diagnosed uh, with tuberculosis uh, as Arthur, um, I was like, all right, this is going to be a very slow death. Which is the opposite of what they did in Red Dead because that death is very unexpected. But they're doing this for a reason. I do like that of like kind of the entirety of Chapter Six. It's like this slow go of like, all right, you're gonna die. And we had talked yeah. like a week beforehand yeah, yeah. of like, I was con- uh, and I told you that like I I'm pretty sure the next 15 hours plays out like this, this, and this. And you're it, we're kind of going back and forth like, what if they like kind of switch it and like he doesn't die and stuff. And they built up that no. expectation. He's gonna like, die. Yeah, I know, I know. But the I, nature I, of tuberculosis. <laughs> but again, like, cause I'm dumb and I didn't go to college, so like I was like, does the medicine like kind of like does that exist yet? I didn't know, but yeah, uh, and I didn't know until earlier today when y'all yeah. were talking about it. Um, and so my my frustration was like. Micah's going to be the one who truly rats us out. Arthur's going to die. We're going to play as John for the last 10 hours. We're going to go through the entirety of buying the farm. They're going to, at one point, make a joke about John never going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then the last mission is going after Micah. And I predicted all of those things at the beginning of Chapter 6. That's pretty amazing. You're were, you were a better prophet on this game than I was. I, I had some of those beats figured out. And mm-hmm. Western storytelling, cinematic Western storytelling, is often... Fairly predictable. Yeah, um, and we also regard. know what happened in Red Dead One, so we know what yeah. they have to do to set up. What What yeah. I thought we were going to get was one big, tremendous, super disaster kaboom, and we didn't. That yeah. was where they got me. Yeah. Was the gang dies like Arthur dies? Very slowly. Is, well, except Lenny. Wastingly, well, no, God, we'll get to Lenny. Lenny. And, uh, Lenny, Lenny gets it, but but that chapter six. <laughs> death, there is no giant climactic Pinkerton battle. There right. is no. It's, it's, it just all disintegrates. Not but a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah, yeah, down to the camp functions vanishing, and the and it's so. I loved loved that, but yeah, that was the part I didn't predict. Also, I thought they were going to throw us a curveball, and we weren't going to play as John. We were going to play as Sadie. I was really convinced um, that we were going to play as Yeah, Sadie. I wonder if yeah. they just didn't predict how much of a fan favorite she would be. I mean, I'm sure they did, but... I don't know. Maybe they're going to maybe they're gonna ground Red Dead 3 on it. DLC. That'd be cool. Or, yeah, DLC. or DLC. I, I doubt they'll do single-player DLC. Yeah, I, everyone plays as Sadie in Red Dead Online. I think, yeah, they knew by, I think they knew by the end that Sadie was, was a great A big character, character. yeah. yeah. They, they had to know. Man, I love her so much, and I love that she got out. I love her and Charles, like as yeah. far as we know, like uh, kind of going through the post credit stuff. Right. Where, yeah. Like you see her leave, and like I was convinced, like going into that last mission, riding to Micah, I was like, and they're talking about what they want to do after this. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna die. They're gonna. Die. <laughs> well, they that do was, a great job with that. I they that was I will give them credit for the ending. Was like they really make you think, like 
these these people are done. You and see that knife going to save you. You're like, how are you not dead? I yeah. Know. And like Charles Seriously. gets shot in the first five minutes of yeah. like the first minute of being there. You're like, oh, it's a total. Disaster. It was in dire straits there for yeah. a while. Yeah. And so yeah, I was, was really wondering if they were going to give me the option not to go after Micah. I wondered. Yeah. Uh, no one would take that option. I would have. So, really? Yeah. Why? What you just want to like let John to? I wanted John to learn. I wanted John to listen to Abigail before. So here's the thing, though. He doesn't entirely listen to Abigail. It actually kind of results in this compromise situation where he's like, listen, I'm going to do things legally, but like bounty hunting, I'm so much better at than farming. So if you want us to have a life and you want to have a life with me, who's like a former um, gangster gunslinger, yeah. like yeah. this is just kind of the reality of that. And so I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the thing where I do things only legally, but like this is kind of what I'm good at and who I am. So she accepts a little bit and he accepts a little bit. That's and that compromise like yeah that's an excellent point i like oh, that thanks. a lot no i agree with that we're going to take a quick break here for our sponsor if you don't mind mm. are you all familiar with neebs gaming no Do you know no. neebs you guys know neebs neebs is great uh, i i ran into neebs a long time ago actually and there are sponsors this week neebs do some really cool things they're a youtube channel and what they do is take really well edited well crafted scripted machinima they they take gta 5 and they make these funny, funny, funny videos in cinematic mode, edit them in post-production, do multiple voices for all the characters, yeah. put them together into little mini-movies, and drop them on their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gaming, and they're hilarious. I'm they're, into it. Yeah, they're just like, they're, first off, they have a very, very good talent. They're good at funny voices. That counts for a lot. I mean, truly good at funny It's hard voices. to do a funny voice. It is. They also do things where they'll pop into games and they kind of do some not malicious griefy type stuff but that's really cute and funny when people are taking themselves seriously they're they're neat i like neeps but they're doing a new series based on g or on red dead redemption 2 called bad arthur oh um, no. <laughs> and uh, bad arthur just debuted and uh, there's no so, such thing <laughs> uh, so we're here to talk about bad arthur on neeps gaming uh, which debuted november 11th is available now at youtube.com slash neeps gaming that's n-e-e-b-s-g-a-m-i-n-g Dot com. The Neebs folks are funny. I highly encourage you to go over there and take a look at it. I am not funny, so I admire people who are. are you funny? I used to be. I used to be in theater and I could actually tell jokes and deliver things funny, but then I grew up. Oh, well, you, you grew up and it ruined you? Yeah. Oh, is that what growing up does? Uh, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow. I know. Okay. Tina, are you funny? Uh, well, I think that if you are funny, you inevitably probably have imposter syndrome and think you aren't funny. So I really don't know. Okay. So My answer really couldn't really be an humor. answer. She's got a really good drive. Sardonic. <laughs> yeah. That's that New Yorkerness in me. Yeah, like sardonic. <laughs> is this a New York? Back to New York yet again. Anyway. <laughs> Tina Amini 2, Lost in New York. Uh, Neebs Gaming, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Check them out. That's our sponsor this week. Thanks a lot, Neebs. Have a good evening. Go uh, watch those guys. Now, back to the discussion. All right. Uh, you said it. Before we get to some questions, I want to ask about specific moments. Lenny. Lenny! Lenny! Oh, my God. And it's such <laughs> like a... It, it's one of those things where... Um, in movies growing up, I would always be frustrated when they get you emotionally invested in uh, in someone and then quickly kill them off and not have, like, a scene dedicated to it. And that's very much what Lenny's death is, is, like, it's not even a cutscene. You're just in gameplay and he dies. And But I grew up, like, when I became a grown-up and uh, stopped being funny. I you started became a grown-up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Aren't and, you, like, 12? <laughs> in his maybe. heart. <laughs> Um, I started to appreciate those kinds of scenes more where, like, it's just 
boom, gone. Because that's very much what, I mean, that's what death has been sold to us in our construct of what life is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was very just like, he's gone. And you have to kind of just walk over his body, and it's really sad. Uh, I think that yeah. one of the reasons it works so well. Oh, go ahead, Tina. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just agreeing that it was just really impactful, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they, first off, you have a death immediately beforehand. Which, which is, is a cutscene death, which is dramatic. And you see it coming. You can feel it, you know, you, the moment you see... The uh, moment you see him held there, and you're like, okay, you know he's going down. And there's the cutscene, and the, the, the mic goes down, no! Yeah. You know? And you're like, okay, there's the big impactful death, and there's no cutscene cut. The fact that it happens in gameplay, that you yeah. come around the corner, Straight. and there's a bang, and down he goes. Yeah, and the, I like that because it really increases the gravity of it, because yes. you're just like, things are happening. Could I have done it yeah. to, like, to save it, to make it different? But like, also, like, not, there's like, so much happening around you, and yeah. like you just kind of got to keep barreling forward now did you see my arthur i stopped by like i stood and arthur yeah. bent down he by took the a moment and lingered yeah it's the only time in the moment. whole game that happens yeah like because it's, it's lenny it's your drinking buddy it's I lenny it's lenny i love he lenny he's why did you love him tina um well because first off he's incredibly smart uh and intellectual and he the way that he speaks i find like i really appreciate uh his his penchant for that kind of conversation there's yeah. a moment in the camp where he's talking to Dutch about a book that Dutch is reading, and it's just really fascinating. It has nothing to do with anything else going on in the game except maybe some like setting, like tone setting, um, environment setting, kind of contextualization. Mm-hmm. But he's just like he's just an intellectual, and he's he's really thoughtful, and the way that he carries himself is just really kind of calm and kind of like mediating these conversations in a really smart and kind of really really put together way. So I just I like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you had this like big drinking scene with him where things go off the rails and you guys so get good. silly together and you get into fights together and like also that drunk scene was just perfect it was just perfectly yeah. made uh, I could not stop laughing when I played and through it's so it good it's my because, favorite like, they scene they nailed what it's like to uh, be just so drunk they nailed it yeah <laughs> they just they 100% nailed it and there's just like all these like funny moments in between and then these like random weird moments yeah like down like the line yeah exactly it's just the flashes of it yeah and then at the end when they're both like running off in their own directions oh, trying yeah, not to get dude. caught and so you had that experience with him you had that bond with him yeah. um, and that's certainly a thing you know when you share a drink with someone when you go out and have a drink with someone that is part of the experience that you have because you're just both like in the same mindset together yeah. and then that next scripted event you have with him I think is when you're in Lemoyne riding together and suddenly you're talking about uh, about the the world that Arthur's grown, they've grown up in the same physical universe, mm-hmm. but Lenny has grown up in a very, very different they world. They have such different experiences. And, I think there's and, even a moment where Lenny's like, you just wouldn't understand. And Arthur's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't. Like, yeah. it's just, it was just very real and kind of honored the, their differences in yeah. a way, but and in a friendship. way that they were, exactly, in a way that they were still like kind of brothers coming together. And you yeah. could tell there was a trust there, familiarity, comfort. It was just really well done. You got an idea that that Arthur had in a lot of ways. Because Arthur is kind of a quiet intellectual. He's Mm -hmm. much, much more, he runs much deeper than he lets on. That's very clear. That maybe he had more in common with Lenny than anybody else in the gang. Yeah. Yeah, He he just like wasn't, because he knew, even before he got sick, that it was probably close to being over. He didn't like, 
there just wasn't a vulnerability to him yet um, until the point where he's talking to Rainfalls about yeah. all the kind of personal stuff. But that also, yeah. like, in a weird way, that moment with Rainfalls, um, or Rainsfall, I forget. Uh, but he, in, in that moment, you could tell that he's kind of letting his barriers down because he is a very quiet person. He's yeah. more of, like, an inner intellectual than, like, someone who's a little bit more outspoken and likes to have those conversations. But, um, I like, in that moment, it really is because he's just, like, at the end of his rope and he's, yeah. like, might as well. I'll have this conversation with this person who's so far removed from the normalcy of my life. Like, why don't I just pour out all my burdens on him like you would like a bartender or something? Have you right. ever had a conversation with somebody that you don't know all that well, that you discover you implicitly trust the person within a relatively short period of time and end up sharing more intimately than you expected with them? Has that happened to you before? Like every day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like a very probably. like, I'm a very trusting open book mm-hmm. kind of a person. So I have these kind of conversations all the time, but I like in for him and rain's fall, I think it was more about, uh, he's never really going to see this person too much. It's not part of his life. There's not, there's, so there's no, uh, repercussions to kind of oversharing. And I think that's like where that comfort comes. It's more for him to work out his thoughts out loud with somebody, like kind of bounce it off of somebody. Finally, like process it and put it in order. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not something that he's used to doing, at least out loud. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Barrett? Uh, I am very, very close to the chest and don't talk to people. Um, And uh, I do really appreciate games uh, that have come out this year, like God of War, Celeste, and even Red Dead, that um, kind of tackle people being bad at communicating with others mm-hmm. um so but i've i'm absolutely sure there's been a time when i talked to someone i've probably known for maybe a day and mm-hmm. totally confided in them in something that i probably shouldn't have and yeah <laughs> well sometimes well, it's, it's weirdly it's like safer yeah and there are times when you'll meet somebody that i'm this is fresh in my mind because this literally happened to me this week where hmm. you talk to somebody you don't know all that well and discover that something intrinsically makes you believe this person is trustworthy and we have an empathetic relationship, something in common. Yeah. Who knew? Well, and also, I think, like, just to even... I mean, I don't think this is what Arthur was doing, but, like, just to connect to other human beings, like, you share a little bit and they share a little bit, and then you have this, like, mutual respect for the fact that we've mutually shared this thing, and so there's, like, a certain level of trust. So, basically, Barry and I don't trust each other at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's why we came onto this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find other ways to connect. Yeah. How'd y'all play the scene? Because uh, he does let you just go up there and barely talk if you want, or you can... Oh, play. I always talk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, that was uh, it. Was hard to like kind of learn about his past, like his son. Yeah, his son at one point. What was a surprise! Like, Jesus, and I was still theorizing that, like, even until the end, past the point where they basically prove he has no more connection to to John's family than yeah. just the friendship. But I was convinced that entire game that Jack was actually Arthur's son. So was I. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. that too because they had Ar- such weird allusions to. Yeah, it. when like they go out fishing together, yeah. and yeah. Uh, there's this, there's something in that moment, and even kind of leading up to that, where it was just like. And there's this like weird rift between Arthur and John, mm-hmm. um, especially. You have to be- wonder where it comes from. Yeah, and like it obviously came from when John left and, yeah. what, and whatnot. Um, but it was purely just out of a when you learn in that moment that um, Arthur had a had a son, not Jack, and died and whatnot. You learn that the reason why Arthur has been so adamant about John sticking with his family is because Arthur didn't have that choice. And that is actually one of the, like, I was sold a lot on, like, kind of the small moments in this game. And that was one of the ones that just wrecked me. I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. And it's just a face button menu option that you could skip. You could miss that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and I, never know that information. And that's a lot of bravery in game design. Yeah. Being mm-hmm. willing to let us just, it makes it so much more meaningful. Well, it's funny because like if you spend a lot of time in your camp, you'll get these like little snippets of conversation that give so much context to things or maybe not necessarily context, but depth. Yeah. And so th- there's so many moments in Red Dead 2 where you could just be missing all of that story and even like doing, participating in stranger missions and everything else. Like when you have that ride to Dutch, the, the final confrontation well it wasn't really final was it but when you have that like long ride yeah yeah yeah, i suppose when you when you ride along to him and you're replaying these lines of dialogue in your head like some of them are from those camp moments some of them are from stranger missions some of them are for story missions so if you didn't participate in those you would miss out on so much and i think it's really interesting because it means because rockstar kept saying like you know arthur is your character you can play him in in your way and like everyone's going to have these minutia of a little differences in in what they've experienced and that's a big part of it. Yeah, and that uh, that just makes me think a little bit about the end when you're no longer Arthur of like building up this character. And this is kind of a problem I had with the first one um, is that you spend so much time with this person, and there's of course like a lot of extra open world stuff to do. So when you're playing as the second character, I never felt compelled to explore those things because. I wanted to do that with the the first person you play as. That's interesting. Well, um, so yeah, yeah, and now like it, Jr. We were talking to earlier, like kind of brings up a a really good point where it's really weird for John of like you have the option to go like out and rob trains and stuff like in between the time of like him starting this farm and the the government coming after you to be like hey hunt these guys down and then all this stuff and there's just a lot of I love Arthur so much that I was like I don't know if I want to go out and do this without Arthur and Mm. uh, um, with Jack it was just like you don't really know him a lot as a character so I just never felt compelled to stick with him that's fair but like for two since you do know John I mean if you played one like if since you do know John there is something really poetic about stepping in his shoes and because it bridges the gap between the two stories but in a way that isn't just told through cutscenes or whatever else it's told through you carrying Mm -hmm. that out and becoming the man who he is in one and the payoff that beautiful payoff for me, and my second favorite moment in the game, Lenny's death is my favorite moment in the game. Oh my god! No, but it's so uh, sad. How, no, no, how no, could you? No, I think Lenny's, you must. But I think it's the best done moment. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, okay. For all the reasons we just talked about, the mm-hmm. fact that you don't see it coming at that second. Yeah. The fact that they chose to do it in engine. Yep. In the fact that lingering, the fact mm-hmm. everything, yeah. it hits all those it, little beats. It's one of the hardest hitting deaths in a video game ever, mm-hmm. besides um, the horse. Uh, oh, that especially if Depending. you got the horse to live the entire time, oh, which yeah. I did. And yeah. I was so proud. Yeah. And they killed Bojack Horseman, and I was very upset. <laughs> Bojack they Horseman. They killed Glue. Glue? Yeah. I know. It was messed that's, up. We were hanging out like a week and a half terrible. ago. I know. Well, it could have been worse. Had I been riding my other horse, they would have killed Zach Ryan. <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> if that's only. That's a joke from like the, the <laughs> Breath of the Wild yeah, games. Yeah, I've, I've been using Zach Ryan's. Oh, man. Made. Zach Ryan was the first horse I bought, and Glue was the second. Oh, you could have um, said, no, they killed Zach Ryan. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Who, who died for you? Uh, my horse. Yeah. Uh, so I named all my horses after Farsi words that like describe their coloring. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Okay. Um, um, so I had a. a I just want to remind you that you abandoned your first horse to go after the cool white horse. I just. I never didn't. I whistled let... him over. All right, if you say so. Uh, do you speak Farsi? I do. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, oh wow. Yeah. Say something cool in Farsi. Chimicha uh, Bega. What does that mean? It means what do you want me to say? <laughs> ah, I Excellent. Sorry, I, languages are cool, and I've never. They are cool. Anything. Yeah. How do we come up with so many? I don't know. We're a busy bunch. Yeah. You know, we're creative. Like the uh, three of us alone created all languages. It all worked. <laughs> I mean, 
I took four years of friends and don't speak a single word. <laughs> Parlez-vous, Frank. Anyway, all right. But going back to the second favorite moment um, after the death of Lenny, I and I think this is a lot of people probably didn't like it. When I've gone through the life mundane with John and Abigail's left and it's time to go out and I reach under the bed and there's the Marston outfit. Mm-hmm. That moment and was I cool. I pull it out and I put it and it comes out and the sun is shining mm-hmm. and a freaking singing cowboy Gene Autry song comes on. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like Roy Rogers and that shouldn't work in this game, <laughs> but it does. It's just like, I'm John. I'm back. Yeah. I'm going to go make this all better. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. My old friend has returned. Well, it's like you have a superhero costume. That was a cool hype move. Yes. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. That was like yeah. a suit up. Like. Yeah, exactly. But, it's but like just, a, you abandon your suit for a while and then you open up the, the drawer and there it is. But instead of it being like, boom, 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 yeah. it's like, and the melody of yeah. the plane. Yeah. I'm like, I love this so much. <laughs> the one thing I will say about his outfit that's weird in this engine uh, compared to the when you see it in Red Dead 1 is his gloves are comically huge. <laughs> well, that's why I never wore gloves with Arthur because they look so awkward. So, but general. like when you go look back at Red Dead 1, yeah. I had to look at a picture. I was like, there's no way they're comically huge. And they're not. They look like regular gloves. But in this one, they're just like... They make his hands look twice the size. I had they not are. noticed that. It's, it, it drove me insane for this like last five hours. Maybe also, it's because they had to make the gloves interchangeable in this one. Yeah, that's true. Also, Arthur is very skinny. Like he has the tiniest weight. I mean, sorry, oh, not John, Arthur. Yeah. John. John has the tiniest waist. When he's, yeah, he's like when you big. first like yeah. have him like just in like the the shirt and the yeah. and the pants. Yeah. Yeah. Freaks me out a lot. Long, yeah. John, yeah. long John's John is, is great. Like yeah. running around in his red long yeah, John yeah. Is all, all like scrawny is pretty yep, fantastic. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm with you there. What are your um what are moments that you loved? What what stood out that you just like, man, I sure did love this beat term. Um, so I mentioned too already, I really like the Lenny drinking scene. I loved the riding to Dutch final confrontation scene, but one that I didn't mention was building the house for Abigail. Oh that whole montage. Yeah. It's just for several reasons. One, like I think the the gameplay of it, um, it's very QTE based, but it like really evokes the amount of work that John had to put into building that house. So you feel a connection. And when you step back and you look at the house, you're like, yeah, I built that thing by pressing a few buttons. It was crazy, man. It <laughs> took me like took me like two minutes of, of clicking buttons, but I'm pretty sure it was like six months in game time or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, you have got this like full bish, really bishy beard. Yeah. yeah, I hate John Marson with a beard. It's so weird. <laughs> it is it's weird. Really yeah, weird. he has to be like five o'clock shadowed yeah. and long hair. I, yeah. That's the only way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're, you're working with Charles on it and like you just see the dichotomy of who Charles is versus who Uncle is, like Uncle sitting there drunk barking orders at you, yeah. and Charles just like being really genuine and down to earth and helping you out. I want to see their sitcom. I really want to see yeah, Char- Charles, Uncle, Char- and Uncle John yeah. living yeah. together. That's yeah. pretty much what together. it was. That sounds like an incredible... Can we make that? that amazing. <laughs> we have three people right here. There we go. Red Dead 3, I'm just saying. That's what I have some more of these yeah. doors. We can build a set. Perfect, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'll just press a few buttons, make a couple more of those for you guys. Yeah, It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to watch that sitcom. Sidebar on on 
uncle is uncle what's going to happen to john ryan when he's like 80 like is that is that where he's headed where he's got lumbago <laughs> no no, no <laughs> where he gets tortured and like no i know no, what, no, what oh part are you talking like about this, this old old man hanging around in his long johns like barking nah john guys. john john's too much of a hard worker ah, okay yeah. Yeah. he is pretty yeah. industrious yeah. that's true mm-hmm. that's true but what if we all just like one day just the work runs out he runs out of energy maybe that's what happened with uncle he was yeah. like you know what no i'm done he was retirement a yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah he worked on strategy guys like i'm burnt <laughs> out oh, man. <laughs> too real too real you're yeah. right about the house building though also sitting there going one the music's great yeah two, you're putting the effort in yeah you're sounds... bonding with charles and uncle and three saying they're going oh well there will obviously be home and ranch construction in yeah. red dead online yeah uh, <laughs> Well, the other the other reason why I like honestly the biggest reason why I love that scene is because I I love John Marson as a man like he he didn't believe in this ranch no one believed in this ranch the banker people at the saloon everyone was saying like oh you bought that piece of shit yeah but he did it yeah like he did it because that's the one thing she wanted and even if it was this to him unreasonable thing he just felt like no like she she wants this this will give her security and I will make this work. And he put, like, his blood, sweat, and tears into this house. I mean, I didn't see him crying, but I imagine there was blood and there was whatever else. There, yeah, there probably was. Um, but And he does it for months. And, like, nothing deters him from it. He is so forward-focused, so dedicated. And, like, that's the loyalty that Dutch was constantly, like, craving but didn't really even understand. Yeah. It's loyalty to the, to the extent that he didn't need affirmations to continue working on the house. He did it because it was the right thing. He decided it was the right thing to do and nothing was going to interrupt him from that and he's just focused on it and you like going through that montage like nothing else is happening and and like he's just dedicated to abigail and it that's all she needs to see and even though and even though she's really um not pleased with the fact that he's going around doing this bounty hunting stuff she still feels like okay well like look what he's done already like he clearly has that dedication there's not a doubt in her mind after that fact that He's willing to do things for her even when he doesn't believe it. And it's, it's the most romantic thing. I love John Marston. Which means he has so much to lose. God, it's again, yeah. the first game and even harder. That's the other like, thing. Like, he doesn't even know if she's going to return. He's doing it anyway. I love John Marston. Did you just want to <laughs> the television during the credits and kill the two agents who are looking down the hill? Yeah. The farm? Which yeah. was also weird to me because they find their farm. And, like, I was talking to JR about this. It's like, oh, it could have been a thing where, like, even though you play the game afterwards, that scene could have happened a couple years later. But no, in that scene, you still see like Jack is the same age, but they find the farm three years before the events of Red Dead One. So it took him yeah. like three years to like figure out how to make him work for them. I'm or? not sure that that was the priority at that point. They find mm-hmm. John, but they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out the right way to use him still. Gotcha. Um, I, I could be fair. wrong. That's I, fair. I don't know. What about you? What's a, so John Marston so romantic? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Barrett, what's something that, that really jumped out at you? One of the favorite moments, um, I mean, there are a lot of moments that shocked me, uh, definitely, that stand out of um, the O'Driscoll boy who um, rides back and his head's blown off and that because uh, he, he kind of talked uh, to the Vanderland gang about the O'Driscolls, and that was very, that was very upsetting because you, um, I forget his name, um, isn't it? It's something with a K. Mm-hmm. Um and they really grow at the beginning when you like have him like tied to yeah. the tree and he's like, come on, please help me. I'm like, nah, screw you, Odriscoll. And they somehow made me care yeah. about him through uh, just like little tiny things. And it was just like, that was one of the first moments where you're like, oh my God, like this is all going to crap. And of course that's after like Sean dies because Sean dies at the end of 
Valentine? Yeah, Sean dies in the shootout when uh, when Cornel- or Leviticus Cornwall comes to uh, comes to Valentine. Yeah, and, and that's like and, that's and, a hard one. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed his head's not blown off. He's holding. Oh, he, his yeah, head. he's yeah, oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. He's holding his head because um, there's a moment where like, some sleepy hollow Hosea shit is like holding, or it's either Hosea or Micah is holding his head later yeah. on. Like, yeah. Oh my god, it's so, so messed up, and that was, that was like one of the moments that stood out to me. It was like, oh my god, people are going to start dropping like flies now. Yeah. Um, well, you're just being fat for the kill that whole first yeah. Yeah. game. And like, um, I did love like when Mary is killed, it's not Dutch that does it, it's... Um, oh wait, oh yeah. Or uh, when... Uh, Molly. When Molly, it's uh, yeah. Oh, oh, Grim- Miss Grimshaw. Yeah, when, Grimshaw yeah, when she's the one who does it, you're like, damn. Like, and she does it without oh, a moment's hesitation. My girlfriend Alyssa was watching that scene, and she was like, kind of dipping in and out, and I'd catch her up on like what's going on in the story. And she watched that moment. She's like, damn, girl, get it. Like, <laughs> you don't well, mess the, with snitches. No. Well, the sad thing is, is that later you discover that she didn't actually. Which I was, yeah. I was so confused of like, why would she lie about that if she knows the rule, right? Yeah. If like that was because they, you don't really know the rule before that moment yeah. of like if you snitch you're killed yeah. and I don't really understand what her end goal was there of like I get that she wanted to get Dutch's attention but it's like you know the rule if you snitch and you yeah. say like, you're like that's gonna not gonna get you anyway she might have been wasn't she I was gonna say like wasn't yeah. she kind of drunk like acting yeah. kind of drunk oh, she's also. she was yeah. Yeah, yeah. trashed yeah, so I, and there's there's moments where she was trying to get um, Dutch's attention, and she was trying to get Arthur's attention. Yeah, and yeah. I think she just felt so like not heard that she yeah. said, "You know what? Maybe if I throw this big realization thing in their face, then they'll listen." Dutch will pay attention. Yeah, to yeah which yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, then she got blown away. Yeah, and, and that, that guts the camp. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like kind of the, that's the other uh, first moment where you also see like. Dutch is not the same person from the beginning of the game. Um, the other moments I like, like I love seeing um, Sadie for the first time after, like as John and whatnot, and like, oh my god, she got out and she's like doing okay for herself. Yeah, and, and I just love seeing like in the kind of uh, end credit stuff of like um, who's the guy who like uh, cooks for you and what Pearson. Pearson of just like he's got his little shop and he's got like his uh, picture of like the gang and stuff. I was like, oh Adorable. man, you're so he looks good. all sad. Too. I know, like, I know, and like I love that they do cho- toy with like. Um, like building up so much of the relationship between Charles and John and Charles got to like kind of go out and do whatever and um yeah there was just a lot of little moments here and there. We see Tilly is a mother if I remember right there in the mm-hmm. same credits. She's yeah. in she's in Saint Denis I think. Another one question I wanted to ask you: Did you go on the date with Mary? Yep. Uh, there, yeah, and that's after you um mess up the or like uh, the dad rescue. No, I think it's the brother. It's the brother because the dad one you're a little bit more conflicted about. No, no, it's after, it is after the dad. It is after the dad, dad one. Yeah, oh. the, yeah, the, yeah. the brother one is when you're still out in the country, and the yeah. dad one's when oh, you're okay. in the city, okay. and then you go to the play right. or you yeah. the show. You go to the theater. Yeah. Da, 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 and did you did you focus in on her and Arthur during that? Yeah, time? I was trying to. Did get, you yeah. make a move? I tried to so hard. I tried to too, and because I was work. just I was sitting there like this the entire time. I was like, oh my god, I love this so much. Yeah, if you focus in on them, it gives you an option yeah. that says make a move. I tried, but then he like goes like that and gets awkward, and then he kind of brings it right back in. I love that. Their date and John and Abigail's date are kind of bookends. I, I they're yep. almost mirrors of one another. Yeah. Well, so I mean, they're they're parallels, yeah. and then they're also you know bookends, as you said. Yeah. So they, you know, both both um, Abigail and Mary have a problem with John and Arthur's lifestyles, respectively. Right. Uh, and but I think there's different contexts. So yes. on the one hand, 
uh, Abigail has a son. Yep. You know, John and her have a son together, so that obviously like kind of raises the stakes. And then on the hand for uh, Arthur and Mary, they have too much baggage where like the father disapproved the entire yeah. time. So I think they had more strife in their relationship, and that's why it, theirs was very tense. Whereas John and um, Abigail's date was very playful and like very natural. Well, like there was more love there. There yeah. was. Well, they had reached a place of love. I mean, John had left his wife and child for a year. Yeah. John had done a lot of awful things. We meet at the beginning. Right. But yes. By, at that point in their yeah, life. Yeah, they were far they more together. established together, yeah. yeah. I, I really liked that, like, I hate Mary. I hate Mary so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, one of the biggest reasons I hate Mary is because after you rescue her brother, uh, she turns around and, like, there's no reason for her to say this whatsoever. She's like, you'll never change. Like, what? What did I even do to you? All I did yeah. was go out of my way when my <laughs> my family is in, in dire straits themselves and there's so much that I could be doing, should be doing for them. And I took time out for you and then you're just going to chastise me over what over some grudge five years ago which to be fair like might be incredibly justified but it just felt like in that moment why did you do that why couldn't we just leave it on this tone those two are never going to work together yeah and the other question is when um when arthur talks about his son do they ever say who the mother was a waitress that died Gotcha. Oh, oh right, right, I'm remembering yeah. that story now. I think um, her name was Isabel, but I'm not sure. Um, do we know around what time that happened? Does he say, like, how far... Are you trying to, like, suggest some kind of infidelity? I'm, maybe. There might it's have been... It's the Wild West, whatever. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, But I, I really wild, like wild the, the... Exactly. I really like the, the side stuff with, with Mary, because I think at first it's not... Like, that is, like, a mission that they point you towards, but then all of the stuff after that is stuff that you can do optionally. Um, the first one's even optional. Oh, All really? of them are optional. Yeah, no, and like, and I only pursued them because I just wanted to see how that story played out. But yeah, yeah. honestly, especially the way after she talked to me, you know, that specific way before, and like, here's the father, and like, you're not even giving me any kind of like substantive thing. You only reach out when you want something. Yeah. There, but yeah. it is like, as far as writing goes, it was really illustrative of how dysfunctional the relationship was. So I guess it was effective yeah. in that, and it's effective if I don't like Mary to this much of a degree, mm-hmm. but still. I, I liked it just because I, I kind of just saw into the head of Arthur where he knew there was no, no way. But in the back of his mind, there was still like this little glimmer of hope of like, there might be a chance that I can get out and we can have well, this life. And, and it's it. just so more tragic because you know it's not going to happen. But that yeah. exists inside himself. I mean, that's one of the parts, that, something to think about here that, that this is, I'm just going to project my own life on things for mm. a second. I sometimes feel pressure about yeah. things. And I'll feel pressure about maybe what people think of me or what I have to get done or what I and more often than not, what feels like pressure coming from the outside, when I stop and think objectively about it, is is happening inside me. Mm. It's not coming from outside. It's coming from what I think ought to be done at that moment or what I my expectations are set as. Arthur Morgan could have walked out of that theater with Mary and gotten on the streetcar and never looked back. Yeah. He, that what tied him to that gang outside of what was existing inside him? He had nothing in that camp worth going back to in terms of possessions, or he had no one dependent on him. I guess they were dependent, but they, would have, they could live without Arthur. But he couldn't make himself see that or want that. And it's okay that he didn't make himself see that or want that, because she... 
for him was probably not the right person, but there was a third path. He could have walked away from all of it. Yeah. Potentially, but at the same time, they actually couldn't live without him. I mean, what would end up, what what would happen with John if it weren't for Arthur in the end? And I think sure. like, you know, John was one of the few people who identified what was going on with Dutch early on, but no one would listen to him because he was just yeah. the guy who abandoned everyone. Right. But with Arthur, he was Dutch's number two. So if Arthur's beginning to have that doubt and Arthur's empowering other people to walk away and to recognize like things are in shambles, we shouldn't just blindly follow Dutch anymore what other leader would they have? And from the beginning of the game, I always felt like, like every time I have a walk in camp, Dutch is just like hanging out with Molly or like smoking a cigar or something, yeah, like lazy, drinking. Like, yeah, and I'm sitting, I've looked at the ledger. Okay, like yeah. when did Dutch contribute anything? I'm it's like, always Arthur, like Arthur, Arthur. $100 yeah. at a time and everybody else is like maybe two bucks. Yeah, exactly. So, someone donated a friggin' first. carrot. Like, come on. Yeah. But so, <laughs> but genuinely, like, you know, I, I actually did feel... Um, Um, And I'm a crazy person, so I take notes like as I play games. And one of the notes that I took for myself was, I feel like the camp relies on me. And that was early on in the game. And so that might have just been a gameplay thing. But in general, I felt like I had so much control over the way things would, would, you know, pan out. And I I felt like I had purpose. Absolutely. And I felt like I had Dutch's ear. So it was like, I really had this obligation to keep Dutch on the straight and narrow. Oh, I think it's great storytelling on their part. I just, I, I think that for me, one of the things that kept coming to my mind was, it won't make as good a game, but if, if we just I, ride off into the sunset if, with Mary if, and or, deal or with relationship Mary, drama or, or, or general, something else. Yeah. yeah. But if Arthur had left, what if the camp had disintegrated after Arthur left? Because if Arthur's left, why should we stay? Right. Yeah. Would that not have been better for almost everyone involved? If Arthur left? Yeah. And well, they think, left I think too? things would have, well, if everyone left, but that's not what was going to happen. Well, that's what I wonder. If Arthur left, what other people have left? Uh, maybe when they when but I think that they needed like I think that Arthur did empower them as I said so like I I do think that they needed another voice and that's what someone like Dutch like why he's so attractive to people is because people need especially in a group they need someone to look up to like that's why leaders exist at all because they need someone they can trust and say okay well you know this sounds like this is a really tough situation and A option A and option B are both shitty but one is less shitty and this person should have the experience the moral compass so on and so forth, the capability to pick the less shitty option for mm. us. And I don't want to have that power for the group. And so that's what like befalls Dutch. And Arthur is sort of like the angel on his shoulder um, mm. or, you know, with his own angel and, and devil on his own shoulder. So I do think that like without like that. without Arthur, without that moral balance, uh, the things would have ended very differently for the gang. How many children did the O'Driscolls have? I know, right? Yeah, I, there were a lot of O'Driscolls. I feel like I killed like a whole city's worth of O'Driscolls. Yeah, there are a lot of O'Driscolls yeah. in this world. Did the was it in the like lore or canon or whatever that they were that they were just a family? No, I think that well, I think the idea is they're a family because he's O'Driscoll. And yeah, they're not all family. They're part of his gang. Right, they're part right. of yeah, but some of them are family. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that was one of those cases. But I'm working on a piece for you right now uh, for IGN about um, about the historical accuracy of Red Dead. One of the notes I, I make in that article is that this game exists kind of between three tensions. Uh, One, it has to be able to render a world that is historically accurate, that that is is really grounded in this kind of beautiful reality so that it can be so beautiful and gorgeous and dirty and grimy and it has that fidelity really to. Also, because it's a rock star game, it has to be cinematic. It's Mm. got its roots in the wild bunch. 
It's got its roots in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's got, you know, there's got to be this romanticized Western mythos mixed with that grounded reality, that these these cinematic inspirations. But the third piece of tension there is it's got to be a king. And you need enough O'Driscolls to shoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you got the Lemoines, you got the Pinkertons. Right, but, but you've adapted, like, you've built a core combat mechanic that's effectively a, a shooting gallery style mechanic and uh, that, that they lay out. And that relies on enemies that take one or two bullets to take down. And if you want long, tense gunfights, you got to have a lot of bad guys. So that's why I think there's a lot of O'Driscolls. Gotcha. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. But, uh, <laughs> for more on that, see you at you. Uh, yeah. yeah, but... We're going to take a, a kind of a hard left turn here. I like those. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I'm going to have you pop in real quickly on some, a segment we call the Red Dead Redemption drinking game. Ooh. Ooh. Um, we've been doing this the last couple of weeks. We had John Ryan and Andrea Renee uh, mm-hmm. comment on this. But things that happen in Red Dead, you take a drink every time they take place. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Mm. Uh, someone talks about a horse. We haven't had that yet. That's new. So every time somebody talks about a horse. Yeah. Okay. But like, there are a lot of... They talk about horses a lot. They do. You're right. And I actually really love it because they they talk about horses. I mean, the whole thing with the gameplay with with horses is that you build a bond. Yeah. Um, But they all talk about it and kind of reinforce that gameplay mechanism where it's, you know, they all like really felt bonded with their horses and they still remember horses' names from years ago and like when they met and when they died. That's one of the reasons that I, I know some people were not crazy about the traversal. I felt closer to my horse because I spent so much darn time getting played. Yeah, and I have a lot of frustrations with, uh, or more frustrations, I feel like, than uh, both of you. But I actually, the one thing I never understood was uh, the critique of going around all the places. You like that part? Yeah, I did yeah. like it. It kind of, you kind of got the sense of this being a world. And I think they pulled that off better in this one than they did in the first one. Because I went back to the first one earlier this year and yeah. it just didn't connect. And plus you have all these opportunities for side missions and like yeah, the exactly. random encounters, stranger missions, yeah. legendary animals, whatever else. And all this would happen as you were traveling and yeah. it felt right. And sometimes things, you know, Javier would run up and be like, you know, Bill's been captured by the gang. Like, yeah. oh, well, I've got to stop right yeah. now yeah. in the yeah. middle of this. So exactly. Go with that. And, or like somebody would blow up the path in front of you on your way because you piss yeah. off some other group or gang of people and then you'd have to deal with that. Bounty yeah. hunters are after you, whatever else. <laughs> John and I were talking about, about the two times you meet Snake Man and we're saying, you know, we're hoping there's a third time that he's just covered in snakes, mm. like uh, just hanging off his body. Again. I don't think I've met Snake Man. You haven't met Snake Man? No. Snake Bite Snake Man? A, yeah, he's a good one. Snake oh, Bite I mean, Man. I, I mean, I've met people who have had snake bites and I've given them like No, antidotes. if you meet Snake Bite Man, you'll know. Oh, okay. Yeah, Snake Bite I did Man meet like a, a, a crazy dude in, in the water and then he followed me for a really long time and I got really scared and I pointed my oh, gun at him. Did, like the end of the game? Or yeah. Mar- yeah, I, I remember that dude where he's like kind of What weirdly, is he doing? I don't yeah, know. he's like kind of like, a, he seems like he's kind of um, possessed by something. Oh, I haven't met him. And yeah, and then he comes like running after me and I'm, I'm still, I'm walking and he's still like following really closely, like yelling all this random stuff at me so I turned around and pointed my gun at him just to threaten him and he was so terrified and ran off Whoa, yeah it was a weird interaction like what's another drinking game moment okay I've got, I've got two ideas here this yeah. first one's probably one that's been done before every time you lose your hat 
Oh. No, we haven't done that. Ooh, there you go. Uh, Boom, no, you go. people will get far too drunk <laughs> on that one. <laughs> um, I mean, I have played a drinking game, a Harry Potter drinking game before, where one of them was uh, take a sip every time they say the full name Harry Potter. And Ooh. my girlfriend oh. Alyssa and I did that, and we watched the first Harry Potter movie. Because it's the first one, they say his name all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. In the first 20 minutes, we had downed a... Uh, I will not finish the rest of yeah. that sentence. <laughs> too much. But yeah. yeah. But anyway, that uh, I play dangerously. Yeah, and <laughs> by the way, remember... Remember with the Red Dead Redemption drinking game, don't drink if you're underage. Never drink and drive. Don't drink too much, period. Yep. Don't drink if it's an unsafe environment. Just, just you know. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly yes. and yeah. only if it's legal and you're of age at all, etc. Please. Exactly. Uh, don't drink enough that you're going to get sick. Please don't take a drink every time somebody says Harry Potter. Says Harry yeah. Potter. <laughs> or loses, or their, loses hat. their hat. The I, other I don't one, lose my hat all that much. It's usually interesting. melee. It's shot yeah. off. It gets shot off all the time, yeah. The uh, the other one I had, depending on the gender of your horse, is one uh, every time my horse uh, was a boy. So every time Arthur says... Boy, because <laughs> yeah. you might say it more than Kratos. Yeah, right? yeah. Same. Yeah, good boy. Or what if it's a girl? Made a super cut of this, just like cutting between. Oh, the every time. Yeah. Boy, boy, yeah. Boy. Well, there you go. yeah. For Game of the Year deliberations, we should just have both. Like that should just be our video. Actually, we should, be, we should do a joke video where it's like, yeah. what's Game of the Year? Well, how many? And it's like everything kind of like ties up. Like, oh, they do this and this and this perfectly. Which one says boy more? And then yeah. we like do a just tally and then it. Just have it's a lot of work. Celeste be like. Meh, 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 it's <laughs> <laughs> a little bonus I yeah. so there's a there's a um, drinking game that I've never played but I think it's hilarious um, and it's mostly for uh, other media so like TVs and movies gotcha. um, but you put a mustache somewhere on the TV and every time it lines up you take a drink <gasps> but like how cool would it be because mustaches like and facial hair so you put a mustache and every time it lines up on someone you take a drink my art that's a great <laughs> i'm gonna do that yeah um and that's a great i've never heard of that game that's spectacular <laughs> my arthur grew a mustache from my very first trip to the barber and never changed facial styles i just kept mm. drinking that hair tonic and growing yeah. that mustache so it was level 10 mustache all the way nice the game it was it was fun i saw this thing on reddit where someone had a um a bandana you know the bandana on the very useless yeah. bandana and they pull the bandana off. The title is like Freedom or something. They pull the bandana off and this giant bushy beard just comes <laughs> plopping out with all its physics. It's, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> did y'all um, did y'all know, like, did it jump out at you the moment where you're first playing as John and you go to the barn to shoot the guy with the double barrel and you're looking down at him? That and he's just got like nothing left on his head. Froze yeah. froze and it's the box art for Red Dead 1. Wait, what? No, I don't... You catch that? No. No, there's... If you look, John is... He's holding a double-barreled shotgun in one hand, looking down. It is the yeah. box art for Red Dead Wolf. Oh, very cool. Because they, they changed the angle shot to make it look yes. up at him. And it's suddenly, yeah. like, you're like, oh, like, it's, yeah. it's so... Cool. Self-referential. Yeah. It brings you into the game. For, that's yeah. like, oh, I'm John now. This is like when they, really yeah. Yeah. This is like when they say the name of a movie in a movie, and you're like, ah. Oh, oh, they said it. They said it. Uh, they did so it. the Castlevania 2, or Castlevania Symphony of the Night thing, where it flips over to the, you know, suddenly like, wow, the whole West is open, and it's a big, empty country, very, very, very different than yep. the rest of the country you've explored here so far. Um, I really enjoyed 
and appreciated that that old world is all there outside of Mexico uh, so far. Right? Nobody's made it to Mexico, right? There's there's uh, there's apparently a leak or something a couple of weeks ago, or, or like not a leak, but someone kind of like spoiled early on that they like glitched into Mexico mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it is there. It's just not. It's yeah. It's probably just like not rendered or anything. It's just okay. like off in the distance. Um, but yeah. Okay. I like that the original world is there, uh, but John Ryan also put up a kind of made a great point of like it's weirdly like a little uh, lore breaking in a way where if you go into Armadillo and like meet the store owner there and you know because it's Red Dead Two and you have the option to do anything like Jr. killed uh, the store owner there mm-hmm. who is the same character in Red Dead One but is alive in Red Dead One so it's like a weird like. Kind well, of none of these things would happen unless you're terrible, like John Ryan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, well, yeah. Uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a horror. I liked that. Um, I want to ask because obviously you y'all understand you've worked in this industry a long time. The, the the degree of work that goes into any open world game of any kind. Uh, there's definitely a giant playground for an incredible open world experience. I think our next episode is going to be like about what we want out of the Red Dead Online. But do you see any universe where that pre-built world and the pre-rendered characters and all the assets that already exist are used to add Red Dead Redemption to this engine? Uh, as as a this sequel. was something that you guys were also talking about we earlier talked a little today. Bit about yeah. It, yeah, like there's the possibility since there's a lot of overlap. Um, there's a yeah. lot of it'll be a huge amount of work. I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. It wouldn't be that much of amount of work if Mexico was involved in the conversation. But because it's weird, like since Mexico, the, there's so much down there that they would have to also rebuild. Um, oh, I suspect we'll see Mexico eventually anyway. That's interesting. I I'm not convinced. Um, it would be cool, um, but also like. You know, there was talks for years about uh, GTA Five having store DLC yeah. and all that stuff, and I don't know. Again, like I'm very new to this industry, so I don't pretend to know how any um, company works, especially Rockstar, because they're kind yeah. of just in their own stratosphere of all the all the stuff that they do. So it feels like they're naturally staying kind of straying away from like extra story content and just building on like here's our game and then let's build on a cool online infrastructure Mm -hmm. that's around this game so it would be one of those things that they announced it i'd be like oh dope Mm -hmm. gives me a good excuse to go back and play that game in a way more modern take yeah i think i think think they trim a bunch of missions honestly i think it would be a shorter game Mm -hmm. uh take out most of the racing missions trim Mm -hmm. some of the fetch quests Trim a lot of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And modernize um, it. Yeah. Um, but I think they could do it. I, yeah, because there's been so many improvements from 1 to 2, so they wouldn't want to just, like, you know... Oh, I, I think you could make, a, like, as much... Red Dead 1 I love, but I mm-hmm. think it would be... Looking at this engine and that map, it would be better as a 20-hour contemporary mm-hmm. game. Like, if, if you just... Red Dead 1? Yeah, well, it, 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 it kind of It kind of... If you're just going through the story, it kind of is about, like, 20 to 25 hours. Yeah, it's, it's not know. that long. So maybe... Oh, well, I was talking about with exploring and everything. And yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. When I played straight. it earlier this year, I was, like, just barreling through the story because it had been a while. Oh, like, okay. I was just cr- trying to catch up on story stuff, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the other bit is... I mean, the online is obviously a... I did the show because I want to cover the live service. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the real thrust of what we're doing here is to, yeah. to head into that GTA Online was such a revolutionary uh, piece of software. And I think Red Dead 2, Red Dead Online, 
is probably all the best ideas that they had for GTA the last two or three years they decided to save for this. So, hmm. I mean, the home building, ranch building, camps. Yeah. I'm done. Camp yeah, the fact that you can, like, decorate your camp even in the single-player game, like, yeah. that gives a little hints. I imagine cooperative camps, cooperative Sim City gang camp headquarters. I'm into it. Pinkerton headquarters, bounty hunter groups. Yeah. yeah. Play as a white hat, play as a black yeah. hat. Like it's gonna, oh, it's gonna be rustling and mm-hmm. raiding. <laughs> yeah. And then right around the time that they're like, oh, you've done all you can with Catboys, they just drop on Dead Nightmare. We've got Werewolves, yep. Vampires, Ghosts. There you know, you. stuff like that. Aliens. Aliens. Could be. Cowboy versus Aliens DLC. I want it. <laughs> push, us, push the game to 1917 or so and suddenly get a World War Two or World War One airplanes uh, flying around yeah. and Zeppelins and, so weird you know, like how, crazy like, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Time errors. Oh, yeah. World, Red Dead Redemption I have no concept of ends, time because I'm so young. Yeah. Red Dead <laughs> 1 ends you're 12. <laughs> three years before World War One. That's so weird. Yeah, That's the so airplanes weird. exist in that world. Like, yeah, I remember out. like yeah. they they talked about that at the very beginning of Red Dead One, and then yeah. again at the end of Red Dead One, and it was a really cute moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that hot air balloon was fun. Yeah, I liked it. that was a sad. That I was very sad because like the the poor like balloon operator guy is like, oh, I oh, felt so gonna, bad for him we're yeah. gonna like train you up and then yeah. like Arthur's like no nah, we're gonna go to this prison and, but like, also he was so out. excited he like loved being on this little like, like on Kurt, having these yeah. hijinks and antics yeah he was yeah. like ah oh, like we did it and yeah. we escaped and then he just dies Boom. on the other hand he also looked at Sadie Adler and was like oh the fairer sex cannot fly yeah, I don't think he, he also was very yeah. very yeah. sexist yeah yeah he's like women don't can't be in the air it's all science I was like it's just like a Ron Burgundy moment um yeah i gosh thank y'all for doing this yeah it means a lot you coming over here as you know it's an evening after a long work day for you it's very kind that you chose to be a part of this it's our pleasure we're just hanging out with you you're wonderful guests um i uh i look forward i think we got to do we got to do the what we want from red down the line we got to do the sadie adler chronicles because we didn't get into sadie tonight not too much yeah Yeah. and i but i think the show's gone long enough and y'all probably want to go to bed so Mm -hmm. um Thank you. Anything you uh, anything you want to plug in, in the work that you do? No, I mean, we. if you are interested in Red Dead, we got plenty of that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And we got uh, a bunch of cheats and a bunch of wikis. I will plug uh, Podcast Beyond, which you uh, can tune in uh, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, on beyond.ihn.com or uh, everywhere else like YouTube and podcast services every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and yeah, that's what I'm all sh- I was sharing my disappointment with you here. I, I don't understand. You've got to you gotta find staff over there, but you and the Bush over there running the running the podcast beyond. Yeah, I love them. Coverage. I think they've been doing an excellent job. Not one phone Genuinely. call to the to the only person in the world to run Red Dead Radio, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption podcast. Uh, you'll have to take the uh, that up with my uh, my boss Jonathan Norbush. Uh, <laughs> your boss buying toilet paper at Walgreens. Yeah, I'm joking. Jonathan fun. is not my boss, but uh, I do yeah. love that. Probably 30 minutes after you and I were hanging out and talking, you ran into Dornbush playing yeah, toilet paper. That was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. I mean, everyone buys Did he just, like, true. ditch it immediately? No, it was like, oh, Pretend I'm like it was a gag. standing in the middle I'm of the cigarettes. I'm cool. He's big, big thing of toilet paper. <laughs> and he's waiting at the photo counter because he needed a passport photo. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, I just never, passports and toilet paper. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. people buy things. It's a lot worse stuff you could have been buying than toilet paper. That's I mean, true. You know, That's true. That's fair. But it was it was pretty it's pretty great, great. Yeah. yeah and I was like you want to go get, like, get a drink and he's like well I have this toilet paper <laughs> uh, so maybe, I'm kind of uh, responsible for the toilet, toilet paper, paper now that was so kind of his yeah. yeah 
Jonathan Dornbush, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to get him on the show someday. Yeah. I keep inviting him on, and he's, he's always got something to do. So uh, He's playing too much Tetris Effect to really focus on Red Dead, you know what I'm saying? Tetris Spyro, effect. soon Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah, once Kingdom he's Hearts. He's a busy boy. Yeah, forever. he is indeed. We'll never see him again? No. Probably. Not even us. We won't even see yeah. him anymore. Well, he is the Kingdom Hearts. Whatever the heart Kingdom Hearts are, you know, it, mm. well, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> we'll just negative B plus minus the square root of B squared minus 4AC over 2A or whatever the heck is going on in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. Until next time, happy trails. Mm-hmm.